Well, hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, we are kicking off a brand new message series called Life Lifters. It's a three-part series, and I'm excited about what God has to say through me to each and every one of you. Yesterday, we actually uh, did something that was so exciting. We actually participated in what is known as National Serve Day. We joined literally hundreds of churches all over America that were coming together collectively to be the church and to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, where we served our cities and to help meet needs in our own communities. And it was awesome to see many of our church members who are wearing these Life Lifter, Life Lifter shirts, and they were going out and to the community. It was an incredible impact as we were able to simply give hope and to meet needs in our own community. Let me share with you what God did. As a matter of fact, our Life Lifter team did a number of different projects. One of those was what we refer to as home kits that we prepared a lot of the kits that our children are going to be utilizing and taking advantage of for our Adventure Week Kids Camp. We also gave cards of love. In fact, we wrote hundreds of cards in multiple languages to medical workers and essential workers throughout our city. We also did something known as the lawns of love. In other words, we actually went out and mowed lawns and cleaned up yards to simply help meet needs and to be a blessing to those in need. And one of the things that warms my heart is to know that through the generosity of our people, through their financial giving, through the tithes and offerings, and through our missions arm of our church, we helped give over 4,000 meals through one of our ministry partners known as the Second Harvest Food Bank. And in addition to that, we gave over $11,000 to help support our ministry partners locally, nationally, and globally. So I just want to say, if you don't mind, just simply join me in a round of applause. You may just want to send up some fire emojis and some little, you know, hands raised there, a little praise God, a little shout out to Jesus for all that he has done and how he used each and every one of our people here at Rethink Life to make an incredible difference. And so I just want to say once again, for those of you who are serving alongside our Life Lifter team and being a part of the hands and the feet of Jesus, how proud I am of you and how proud I am of our church for making an incredible impact. Only God truly will reveal, only eternity will reveal the great eternal impact that was made because of those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and because of the impact that was truly made. Well, today I want to begin this series by simply asking a question. Now, it's a unique question, and here's how it goes. And here's the question. The question is, what would others say that you are always doing. Now think about that for a moment. What would others say that you are always doing? You know, for some of you, maybe you may have the reputation as someone who is always working. You know anybody like that? They're just working around the clock, always working. Some, and you see this a lot, especially in homes with teenagers or when you're out in public, especially in restaurants, notice how many people are always on their phones. They're always scrolling on Instagram. I used to know a guy who was always biting his fingernails. I used to harass him all the time. I said, bro, you're not even going to have any fingers left if you keep biting your fingernails. Maybe you know someone who's always griping or complaining. Maybe you know someone of the opposite end of that pendulum where they are always lifting others up. They're always positive. They're always optimistic. I think you get the point. 
And the real question is, how do others see you? What would others say that you are always doing? It's an interesting question. And the reason why that's an interesting question, and it's one that we need to personalize, is simply because we need to have a reputation. And the reputation that we need to have is someone who is always doing something to honor God and to serve the Lord. And that's exactly what we find through a life lifter in the book of Acts. I love this story in Acts chapter 9, verse 36. There was a woman, and we're going to talk a little bit about her name because her name is rather unique. But it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 36, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. Now, in Greek, her name was actually pronounced or known or referred to as Dorcas. Now, I just want to pause here and let me just say, if there's any expectant parents and maybe you're processing what you're going to, you know, call your children and specifically maybe if it's a girl, okay, um, and, and please don't take offense, you know, maybe you have someone or, uh, in your family who's, who's called Dorcas, but I can only imagine the kind of harassment that that young lady must have experienced growing up in her hometown. But the, at the end of the day, her name was Tabitha or in Greek. Greek referred to as Dorcas. And she was the first Greek female mentioned in the New Testament. And, and her name actually meant gazelle. Now, most scholars actually believe that she was a beautiful woman. She was very attractive. Now, we don't know that for sure, but here's what we know. The Bible says that she was always doing good and helping the poor. What a reputation. She was known for always doing good and helping the poor. You know, what's interesting is that this particular woman was making such an impact in her community that when she died, here's what was interesting. The apostle Peter was used by God to literally raise Tabitha or Dorcas back from the dead. You know why? Because she was known for always doing good and helping the poor. She was making clothing and garments and she was utilizing her skill sets and she was providing clothing for the poor and for the widows. And so it was in her heart to be a life lifter. She was always doing good and helping the poor. She was not only a selfless servant, but it was just who she was. Why? Because she was always doing good and always helping the poor. Now, a revival broke out after Peter resurrected her from the grave. And I believe one of the reasons for that is because of the reputation she had, because of the widespread testimony of her life and the way it was impacting so many other people. Now, from a small perspective on the outside looking in, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. But at the same time, her reputation exceeded her simply because she was known for always doing good and helping the poor. She was a life lifter. So let me ask you a question. Once again, what on the outside looking in, if someone were to see you, what would they say you are always doing? Well, 
I believe with all of my heart, most of us, if we were to care to be honest, we desire to be used. We desire to make a difference. All of us want to live our lives for something bigger and greater than ourselves. In fact, I believe that life is so much more important than just living for the here and the now, for the temporal things. Nothing wrong with achieving success and having wonderful things. But at the end of the day, all of those things are not going to last. They're not going to last forever for eternity. And that's the reason why this one and only life that we have here on earth is to be used for something greater and bigger than ourselves. It is to be used to make an eternal impact. God has left us here so that our lives can truly make a spiritual impact on the others around us, especially once we become followers of Jesus Christ. So therefore, we are saved in order to serve. We are called to be God's hands and feet, to be his voice and to be a ministry to the people around us, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's in our homes and our families, or whether it's in our neighborhood and community or our little league teams or whatever sphere of influence we might have, God wants you and me to be life lifters so that our reputation will simply be known for someone who's always doing good and helping the poor. So let me give you three quick images. We're going to look at three specific Bible stories that will help illustrate this point because you may be thinking to yourself, well, I don't have much to offer. I don't have the skill sets or maybe even have the vision to do something similar to what uh, Tabitha or Dorcas did in her, in her community to, to make an impact. You know, I don't have much to offer. I can't sing. I don't have a lot of experience, especially when it comes to offering things to God. But can I just say this? I think there are three things that you can do, and I'm going to get very, very practical. I believe you can simply, you can simply bring a lunch, you can offer a ride, and you can carry a towel. I'm going to repeat that. You can bring a lunch, you can offer a ride, and you can bring a towel. Now, let me, let me quickly unpack what I mean by that. Let's first of all talk about what it means to bring a lunch. Now, many of you I know are familiar with the Bible story about David and Goliath. I know you're familiar with the background or perhaps the context of that story. Some of you may not. And if you haven't maybe read that passage or maybe you haven't been exposed to some of the Bible stories, you know, like David and Goliath, it's probably probably one of the most well-known Bible stories in all of Scripture. But what's interesting is that most of the attention is put on David in his adult years because David was known as a great warrior. But we have to also remember that when David was a young boy, he was also a, he was the youngest of eight Children. He he was the the son of a man by the name of Jesse, and David's older brothers were warriors. They were already in the Israelite army, and and so one day David's father Jesse had asked him to take some lunch down to his brothers. And what's interesting about David is that David, when he um, went to go see his brothers, he was actually going simply out of a 
heart and a spirit of faithfulness and being a heart of a servant. He was, he was being obedient to his father. And I believe one of the reasons why God's hand of favor and really promotion was upon David's life was simply because behind the scenes, he was always doing the right thing. He was always looking for ways to honor God and to be obedient to his father. And so we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 17 and 18. And it says, one day Jesse told, he, he said to David, he said, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how well they are doing. So here, David, a young shepherd boy, he's simply doing what his father had asked him to do. He simply takes that basket. He gets that, that, that bag of lunch, if you will, and he carries it to his brothers. It seemed like a small thing, an insignificant thing, but here's what we have to remember. Before young David could ever take down the big giant, he had to first prove himself in the small things through faithful obedience. And I just believe that's one of the lessons that we need to learn. Because you know what? We all at times are looking for big ways and big opportunities to make a big impact. But sometimes what God wants us to do is just to be a faithful servant. Sometimes God actually wants us to do something perhaps maybe as small and in our mind, maybe meaningless when it comes to just bringing a lunch to someone who might have a need. Here's the thing we have to understand. When David was promoted and he was, you know, quickly, you know, pushed into that, that sense of notoriety, most people put the attention on the success of David's life. But I am firmly confident that the only reason why God chose to bless him and to favor him and to elevate him to the prominence that he experienced in his life was simply because of the small acts of faithful, servant-minded impact that he had on those around him. There's a lady in our church She's a dear friend. Her name is Patricia, and she was one of six children. As a matter of fact, uh, when she grew up in uh, the country of Trinidad, um, her father happened to be in the ministry. He was a pastor, and um, she would actually um, go into the community because they also uh, had a poultry farm, and so they would raise chickens, and then they would sell the chickens in the village, and that's one of the ways that they provided for their family and helped provide the needs for their church, and that's what they did. It was a part of their livelihood, and after she, uh, her father, after he passed away, and later as Patricia uh, grew a little older, she ended up meeting a guy, and she got married, and they had their first child, and they ended up moving to the United States, and, and she began uh, really excelling in her uh, career. She began to kind of climb the corporate ladder and became a corporate executive, and then she ended up moving to Orlando so she could be closer to her daughter and to her grandchildren at the time. And uh, she just so happened to see um, something that we were promoting for children in our community called Adventure Week, which we actually have coming up at the end of this month. And by the way, if you haven't signed your children up for Adventure Week, you need to stop what you're doing right now and go to RethinkLife.com slash Adventure Week and sign your 
kids and grandkids up. I'm telling you, it is life changing. And the reason why I say that is because it literally changed the life of Patricia and her daughter and their family. And the reason why I'm saying that is because it was the way that we got to know them. It was a way that we discovered her passion and her story. Long story short, what we came to realize is that Patricia, she just had a a desire and a heart for serving people. Kind of like David, she did little things that may have seemed somewhat insignificant from the outside looking in, but she actually was making a big impact on other people's lives because of her passion for cooking food and giving it away for free. She would take food to the office place so that, you know, nothing would be wasted. She would uh, cook food and she would take it to the workers that were building homes in the, on the construction, high, uh, construction sites in her neighborhood. She's always looking for ways to do something small simply through bringing a lunch and preparing a meal so that she can have a big impact on another person's life. Well, no wonder we often tease her and call her the Mother Teresa of our church. And the reason why is simply because her reputation of something she's always doing, she's always doing good and helping the poor. She is one who's learned that, you know what? God can take my hands and he can take my passion and he can take the food that I prepare to help meet needs that otherwise are going to go unmet. You see, it's simply a matter of having an attitude of being a life lifter. How can we always be doing good and serving the poor so that needs around us can simply be met? So here's what we can do. We can always bring a lunch, but we can also, secondly, we can offer a ride. Now, I love this story because 553 years before this event ever took place, the prophet Zechariah actually prophesied that one day that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would one day ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, fast forward, Jesus, he's living, you know, obviously uh, through his earthly ministry here on earth, and he tells his disciples, this is shortly before he's to go into Jerusalem for the last time and to ultimately lay down his life on a cross to be crucified. But here's what happened. He told his disciples he was fulfilling the prophecy that Zechariah had prophesied those 553 years. He was fulfilling that in the moment when he told his disciples, hey, go into this, this village. He said, you're going to find a small colt, a, a young donkey when you get there that's going to be tied up to a, a, you know, basically like a pole. And he said, it will never have been written. I want you to bring it to me. And we pick up the story in Luke chapter 19, verse 31. He said, Jesus said, if anyone asks you why you're untying it, here's what he said. He just said, tell them the Lord needs it. And what's interesting was really the response of the businessman who owned the donkey. (laughs) Because when he asked the question, why are you doing this? Here's what's interesting. He could have said, well, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me give you one of my other donkeys. We don't really know much about the background of this man. We don't know if he had one donkey, if that was his one and only donkey. We don't know if he had 50 donkeys, if he had 100 donkeys. We have no idea. But what we do know is that through this request, here's what he did. 
He simply offered a ride. In other words, this businessman took what he had and he gave it and he actually went with the disciples. And as a result, they threw a garment over that young colt. And it was Jesus, the Messiah, who got on that colt. And we know the story how he rode into the streets of Jerusalem on that donkey. It was the fulfillment of a 553 year prophecy from the prophet Zechariah. So here's what I want us to understand, that sometimes it's just through the small things that God uses to become the big things that he wants to use to fulfill a greater purpose that sometimes we may devalue or sometimes we may not understand. But at the end of the day, as long as we are faithful and selfless servants, guess what? God takes our heart, he takes our hands, and he takes our willingness to be obedient, and he uses that in order to make a big impact on other people. So here's what we can do. When it comes to being a life lifter, we can bring a lunch, we can offer a ride, but thirdly, we can also carry a towel. Now, I want to put this a little, a little bit into context of what I'm talking about here when I refer to carry a towel. Now, as you can imagine, the disciples who'd been spending three years with Jesus, they were literally a part of his inner circle. They're walking with him. They're watching with their very own eyes and seeing with their very own ears him speak to the masses and, and heal the sick and, and raise the dead and perform these amazing miracles. And so here Jesus, he calls a meeting with his disciples. It happened to be in the upper room. It was on a Thursday night and the secret meeting so to speak, you know, was something that Jesus had called for. He knew the purpose for the meeting, but the disciples did not. They just saw it as just another routine meeting with Jesus. So they're meeting on this Thursday night in the upper room and they all come in and there at the door, there's a basin of water and a towel, which was normal. It was, a, it was customary in that uh, time frame where there would always be a basin of water and a towel there at the door for those who would enter into a, uh, an inner gathering place or a home. So on this particular night in the upper room, the disciples gathered there and they're sitting among themselves. And you know what they begin to do? They begin to actually argue back and forth about who was going to be the greatest among them. You ever heard the expression or maybe the analogy of the goat? <laughs> you know, you see a famous athlete or, you know, someone who's achieved something great and they're often say, oh man, that's the goat. What are they referring to? What they're actually meaning is that, oh, that's the greatest of all time. Well, among these disciples, they're going back and forth and arguing. They're trying to be one up on one another because they are basically saying, hey, I'm going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Hey, I'm next to Jesus. I'm going to be the man. I'm going to be the guy that everybody's talking about. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks in. And as he sits down with them, no one's there to greet him. No one's there to wash his feet. And he's listening to them talk about themselves. And after he begins to hear and begins to see where their hearts truly were, and what he began to see is proud hearts and dirty feet. So here's what he did. He got up from the table. He went over there to the door Again, no one greeted him. No one was there to wash his feet. 
and he takes that towel and he puts it around his waist. And then he takes that, that basin of water and he goes around and he washes his disciples' feet. Now, what's interesting is that tradition in, in those times, in biblical times, it was very customary when someone came into a person's personal home, usually they would have one of the servants. They would offer to help clean their feet. It would be like you coming to my house as a guest, and the first thing that we would say is, hey, can we get you something to drink? Is, is there anything that you need? We would want your experience to be warm and to be hospitable. We wouldn't want to create an atmosphere so that you genuinely feel welcomed and at home. Well, that's what those people did, and it was a way of expressing it through washing one another other's feet. Well, in this case, Jesus, he goes through one by one disciple washing their feet. And we pick up the story there in John chapter 13, verses four and five. And it says, so Jesus got up from the mill. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Now, here's the thing that I think is so powerful about that. I think that sometimes we realize that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, in other words, when we become followers of Jesus, when we're born again, when God's spirit takes up residence in our hearts and lives, you know, we forget that the reason why God leaves us here on earth, he could just zap us up into heaven. But, you know, we have to remind ourselves that when we're saved, when we put our faith in Jesus, God gives us a new life. He gives us a second chance. We have forgiveness from our sin and our past, but he also has a purpose for us. It's a new purpose. What he does is he gives us the opportunity to actually be his hands and his feet and his voice so that our lives can be life lifters to other people so that we can actually become a servant, a selfless ser servant to meet the needs of the people and to show as a demonstration, and as a testimony that we are true servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 23, verse 11? Here's what he told his disciples. He said, the greatest among you. In other words, hey, if you want to be the goat, the greatest of all time, here's how you can do that. He said, the greatest among you, listen, will be your servant. So you see, the way up is actually the way down. In other words, it's taking on the posture of a selfless servant. It's taking on the posture of putting the needs of others before ourselves. Rather than living in this selfie culture where we like to promote self and we like to talk about self and we like to focus to be upon ourselves, well, being selfless is thinking about ourselves less. And I think it's important for us to understand that true servants of the Lord Jesus Christ take the focus off of themselves and put the focus on those around them. Why? 
because that's a part of being a life lifter. It's a part of us being the salt and it's a part of of, of our lives being light to those living in darkness. Why? Because we want to have the reputation like Tabitha, like Dorcas that we referred to earlier a few moments ago, where we are known for something that we are always doing. And what are we known for? We're always doing good and helping the poor. We're always doing good to lift others up to higher heights, to lift others up to a better life, to ultimately lift up Jesus in every area of our lives so that others can put their faith in Jesus too. You know, one of the things that I'm often inspired by is by the people in our church who give of themselves. We've been in such an incredible season as we all have. The whole world has literally been in many ways just kind of put on pause. We've had to pull the emergency brake and so many things have disrupted our lives, our businesses. But you know, even though our buildings are closed, the church is still open. The church is still alive. Hey, the church is still advancing. The church is still prospering. You know why? Because the church is not about a building. We are the church and we are the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus. We are the servants of the Lord most high. And here's what I want to remind you of. What I want to remind you of is this, is that when you think about the one and only life that God has given us, I believe we can either sit around waiting for the opportunity of a lifetime or we can live a lifetime of opportunity. You know, there are people all around us that need our help. There are people all around us that need our hope, the hope that's found in Jesus. There are people all around us that need our story, our witness, our testimony. They need to know that God loves them. Listen, there's so much division and strife and there's so much discord in our nation today. There's so much moral and spiritual confusion in our culture today, unlike we've ever experienced. Perhaps I know for me speaking on on behalf of my own life, in my generation, I've never witnessed anything quite like we're witnessing today. Man, if there was ever a time that people needed to see Jesus through our lives as Christians, hey, if if there was ever a time that Christianity needed to be seen as being legit and real and authentic and attractive, hey, my prayer is that when they see you and they see me, when they see or come come across the people, when they encounter those of us, if you are a Listen, if you are a partner of ours at Rethink Life, my prayer is that when people see you, when they encounter you, when they are around us, here is the reputation that they will know us for. And that is we are people, we are selfless servants who are always doing good and helping serve the needs of others. You know, I believe one day, as the scripture teaches that when we all stand before God, in other words, we're going to have to give an account for our lives. There is a day referred to as judgment day. The Bible actually teaches that it's kind of like the separation, if you will, between the sheep and the goats. It's the, she- it's the separation between those who were religious and those who had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of the distinctions, and this is not in your notes, but let me just conclude by saying this. Jesus said these words in Matthew 25, the verses 34 and 40. He said, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed 
by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in to your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones, the believers, the true believers, will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these of my brothers and sisters... You were doing it to me. I believe with all of my heart, one of the greatest acts of worship is when we are lifting others up, when we are serving the needs of others. Let me tell you something. When we serve others, when we are a witness, when we are putting others' needs before our own, when we are selfless servants and life lifters, listen, when we are known for always doing good and serving the needs of others, let me just remind you, I don't care if it's working with children, I don't care if it's working with teenagers, I don't care if it's, you know, maybe singing or playing an instrument in the worship team, listen, I don't care if it's going out into the community and meeting the needs through pride. I don't care if it's meeting the needs of those who are in prison or feeding the poor or the list goes on and on and on. I don't care what it is. You just need to be reminded that when you are serving others, you are serving God. And there is no greater act of worship than when we are actually doing the very thing that God has left us on this earth to do. So here is what I want to ask you. It's the same question that we started with, and that is this. What are you known for always doing? My prayer that today God will inspire you. God has spoken to your heart and he's challenged you for being a life lifter, someone who's always doing good and helping the poor. Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads and your hearts in a moment of prayer with me? And as we pray for just a moment, I just want to ask you as a, as a believer, if you're a Christian today, if you claim to know Jesus as your Savior, maybe it's been a long time since you've been involved in church. Maybe it's been a while since you've actually done something to help meet a need or to reach out to someone or to even share your own faith and testimony to somebody else. Well, can I just simply remind you that God has a great plan and a purpose. He wants to use you. And listen, God has gifted you and he's given you everything you need. You don't need to feel inadequate. You don't need to feel like, listen, you, you're, you, you don't have what it takes. No, you have everything that it takes because God has placed his spirit inside of you. And he's gifted you and he's put desires and passions in your heart. And let me tell you something, you need to act on that. And I want to encourage you today. Just say, God, use me. God, may my reputation be for someone who's a life lifter. Just ask God to use you to be his hands and his feet and his voice. In fact, I want to invite you to join us on 
August the 1st, that first Sunday of August, because we're going to be starting something brand new. We're calling it Starting Point. We're so excited. We're going to walk you through and how you can discover your passion and your ministry so that you can start making an even greater difference. But others of you watching this, maybe what's missing in your life is the fact that you have religion. In other words, you have a lot of knowledge about who Jesus is, but what's missing is a relationship in your heart. And maybe what you need more than anything is you need God to simply lift you out of the pit that you're in because of the sin, because of the past, and simply because of the fact that you have yet to fully embrace Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if that's your need today, would you be willing to pray this prayer and invite Jesus into your life? You can simply pray something like this. Just say, Dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner and I turn from my sin. And Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you rose again just for me. And today by faith, I invite you into my life to forgive me and to save me and to change me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Now, listen, if you prayed that prayer just then and in your heart you meant it, why don't you look at me? Because, listen, I want you to know that you just made life's greatest decision. And would you do me a favor? Would you personally DM me or just simply text me on that number on the screen? I'd love to hear from you and to know that you made that decision. Or maybe even if you rededicated and recommitted your life today, I'd love to know that too. So just DM me, text me there on that number on the screen. And here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to send you a digital booklet. It's a free download that will help kind of outline some next steps in your spiritual journey. We want to come alongside and we want to help you grow and become all that God has created you to be. Whatever you do, listen, don't miss this opportunity to join us for starting point that we're rolling out that first Sunday of August. We're going to be giving you more information about that. So if you'll send us your information, we will follow up with you so you can be a part of this exciting Zoom meeting that will gather us together so we can become life lifters to impact our generation. Well, hey, I love you. Thank you so much for being a part of this amazing service today. I can't wait for part two of next Sunday as we continue with this series called Life Lifters.